If you've ever loved an addict, you may have reached an exhausted, painful point where you felt broken and were struggling to just keep it all together. I am Kim Moore, and this is Smiling Again, where in each episode we remind you that you are not alone. Together, one thing at a time, we will take small steps to introduce little changes into your life to help you let go, break free of guilt, and live with self-compassion so that you can feel good on the inside and start smiling again. Welcome to another episode of Smiling Again. My name is Kim Moore, and I lost my husband, Chris, to alcoholism in 2017. And since then, I've been working on my own recovery and sharing my story of my healing journey. And on this podcast today, what we're going to be discussing is something that's been very important as part of my healing journey, journey, and that's boundaries. And with me to talk about the subject of boundaries today is Suna Spry. Suna is an author. She's an NLP practitioner, and she is a counseling, and she works with those who care for and love an addict. Welcome, Suna. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Kim. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And this topic of boundaries is one that I struggled with for a really, really long time and still do. And um, that's why I'm so grateful to have you here today to talk about it, because I think boundaries are incredibly important yeah. for all of us. Definitely. They are very, very important, Mm -hmm. not just for those that are um, loving and caring for an addict, but for everyone and anyone in any case, um, because it's always hard to say no. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So that'll be interesting to dive into that. Now, before we begin, I just wanted to let everyone know the name of your book is Addicted to an Addict, Your Life Matters. Yeah, that's it. I wrote it this year. Uh, it was published in January. It's a self-help book and it um, can help everyone and anyone. Um, but specifically, I wrote it for those that are addicted to an addict, but probably don't even realise. Mm. Um, yeah, and I've had some good feedback for the, and um, helped quite a few people with it already. So, yeah, if I can just help one person, that's that's um, something I'm I'm pleased about that's for sure wonderful and that's always the aim of every episode here in these conversations is the you know to help at least one person one person who hears this conversation Um, so thank you for for sharing with us here tonight Um, now we were talking a little bit earlier and you were telling me about your your background in your childhood and how you grow up grew up in an an addictive home like your mother was an alcoholic that's right your father was a workaholic an alcoholic and addicted to gambling as well yes for sure yes yeah um so I felt very alone as a child I felt very abandoned because my parents had their own issues going on for their own reasons of their past life um so from a very young age, I then had to fend for myself. 
Um, I've learned to forgive as you should to be able to move on. Um, but yeah, growing up, it was very hard. And also it was hard to not go along that road myself of becoming an addict of sorts. So, um, yeah, if I say I'm quite proud of myself as I didn't go down that road and it just made me more determined to help others, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. So how, how do you think, um, you know, if we go into a, f- a few more little details about your childhood, how, how do you think living in an addictive family home can shape a child? Yeah, that's right. Kim, it, it it can make them feel, my own personal experience as a child, it, it made me feel that that's the normal, that was normal to be, was to come from an environment of addiction. So growing up, I then became involved with, um, in relationships with addicts, mm. addicts of cocaine, um, alcoholism, even smoking, um so that I just thought that was normal but the way I even though I didn't go down the road of addiction myself it then made me feel that I need to fix them Mm, mm. so but when really it was me that needed fixing from coming from that childhood of addiction so at the time for many years I never had no boundaries no standards no boundaries I allowed it and I just kept plodding along thinking I could fix them and really you can't so when was the realization that set you on a different path so I guess if we start with boundaries when when did you learn the importance of boundaries and and how did that come about for you so I would say it was probably two years ago um going through my final relationship with my husband who was addicted to cocaine. Um, It then suddenly dawned on me. He works evenings and so most evenings I was alone and he hid behind his work and that enabled him to be able to carry on with his addiction. Um, But it was one night I was sitting there and I've reached an age where I'm now in my change and I was having a hot flush. I was on my own. And I just thought, is this it? Is this what it's all about? Mm. And in actual fact, it reduced me to tears and it just woke me up. And this is when I then realized that I had to change me. I had to set boundaries. I had to make myself standards. And it's really hard to put them in place when you've never done it. Um, so yeah, moving forward, I've set boundaries and um, to try and keep on the track of boundaries, as I say, is really hard when you've been with, when you're living with or caring for an addict. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is so important to have those boundaries in place and their boundaries of just not letting them do it around you even just just that one boundary would make a whole big difference for yourself mm-hmm. and it's about learning to realize that you're just important your life matters it's not all about them because you do come become consumed by them and your whole life is put on hold and it's all taken over by them 
So if you don't put boundaries in place, you, you'll never have a life. Mm-hmm. It's just always about them. So you said a couple of things that I want to dive into just a little bit and just to, to highlight for people things that I think are really, really important. And the first thing is that you said it, it just hit you that one day, you know, is this what life's going to be like? And mm. you made a decision to change. Yeah, that's right. That's when I went into my NLP and um, I've done so much work on myself um, doing the neuro-linguistic programming and it's about changing your thought pattern and um, so changing negativity to positivity and um, teaching yourself that it's not um, selfish to say no. It's, um, you know, it's either fight or flight so you have to um learn to love yourself um and and change your thought pattern from how you what you've learned over the years of coming through each stage of your life in different circumstances and 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 changing that around and that's what um, NLP is all about really Mm -hmm. and so for the last two years I've just worked so hard on myself and behavior change patterns Um, I come from a teaching background as well so I worked with children coming from social different social backgrounds of dysfunctioning families social care and and them sort of things so I've had quite a lot of experience with regards to counselling and and stuff like that Um, yeah so learning the word no Mm. is so important so important and not feeling selfish about it exactly exactly what I was going to say it's such you know why is it such a difficult word for us to voice because you become you're coerced as well in a relationship with an addict you're you know there can be a lot of violence involved as well bullying um, mental um, torture goes on um, you're you're consumed in trying to fix them so you're constantly taking them to meetings you know running here running there you're enabling them by um, bailing bailing them out from um, with money if they've got no money and then they ask you for it and then you think anything for a quiet life so you give them money all them sort of things you've got to stop say and stop and say no more that's enough mm-hmm. I can't accept this no more mm-hmm. um you need to to be able to I'm not running you around no more if you want to go to that meeting and it's important to you you'll make it to that meeting by yourself mm-hmm. you know that rightly so an addict has lots of support out there but they have a great way of manipulating the situation so it's all about them in the home environment and they don't realize the effect that it has on their children as well mm-hmm. so by someone that loves and cares for an addict by putting boundaries in place also helps the children learn that it's not acceptable to behave in them in certain ways that they do mm-hmm. okay so what i'd like to do now Suna, i think this would be really really helpful because for for those people who are really unsure about boundaries or who've never had clear boundaries in place, what would you suggest are three simple boundaries 
that are healthy and helpful to have in place when you're in an addictive family home? So I would suggest um, the first boundary would be not to, to set in place that you need them to stop if you allow it or it goes on in the home, um, them, them doing any sort of drinking, if it's drugs, um, anything that comes to mind. The first thought of addiction, you need to stop that being done in the home, especially mm-hmm. if there's kids around as well. I mean, even if they're in bed, it's not fair that they wake up and there could be a smell of alcohol around, the empty bottles, the cans. You know, they could hear shouting if there's rowing going on. But so if you stop it happening from in the home, that's one, one boundary. So so before you go on to number two, just to to touch on that one boundary, I mean, I, I, I believe that's such an incredibly important boundary and it's it's quite difficult um i found to maintain that boundary if the alcoholic or the addictive addict addict are living in the home with you yeah because of the the denial and the secrets and the hiding this is when um really you need to talk to the in-laws or or the parents or or the people that um don't know what's going what what's happening you need to get support for you as well so the more people that know about this situation as much as you may feel ashamed or embarrassed um, or frightened even you need to get some support from people that are around you especially family because once you have that support you can then start putting boundaries in place even more so mm-hmm. absolutely and I I, I do want to say that you know for anyone listening right now I do understand that you don't always have family support no, and that makes it even harder, but you've got to hold those boundaries. For sure. Definitely. Okay. So boundary number two, what would you suggest for number two? So for boundary number two, I would stop enabling them. So if, if for instance, um, they've run out of money, and or they haven't got no cash available because uh, let's face it, it's all credit cards and debit cards nowadays. You need to start saying no. Even if you have got cash, even if you have got money around, you've got to try and, and, and make it not known. I'm not saying to lie to people but uh, or the addict, but don't make it easily available. And even if it means hiding or or putting your cards or or money away somewhere just stop enabling them to get access easy access to whatever their addiction is Mm -hmm. that's boundary number two okay number three (laughs) so number three boundary I would say would be very important is if you're out and about with your um, loved one who's an addict to um and sometimes let's face it when you're out and about they're they're under the influence of alcohol under the influence of drugs um and or or even marijuana puff all the names for it do not get in a car with them it's easier said than done i'm i'm guilty of that i have got into a car with somebody that's been under the influence of drink and drugs just so that i know i'm home 
but to keep you safe and especially if you've got young children do not get in a car with them always make sure you've got some sort of either your phone some money whatever to get you home safe but keep out of that car absolutely that's an incredibly important one and something I'll share um, in our family I made it very clear to my children that we have a zero tolerance rule for alcohol. Um, and so I, I applied that to me as well. So it was about me, not about the dad, but I knew that if they were learning it from me, they wouldn't get in the car with that either. Yeah. Good. So, and I still hold that boundary and I yeah. always will zero tolerance. So if yes. I've even had half a glass of wine, yeah. um, because I don't, I don't drink very much anymore at all. Yeah. I just don't enjoy it. But if I am at at a party um and I have even just a half a glass of wine, we take a taxi. Yeah. Or I organize that we take a taxi there, we take a taxi home. So the kids always know very, very clear boundaries. And um totally agree with you on that one. It's absolutely crucial to keep everybody safe. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I even got into a situation or, or, or where I used to drive all the time. I don't really drink myself. Um, I have done in the past, but not excessively, but it's my choice. I just choose not to anymore. I like you. I don't enjoy it anymore, Kim. But um, I felt like if I drove with the addict, I had more control, so then they wouldn't then want to get in the car and drive themselves and, and all that sort of thing. So it's all about being consumed and, and everything by the addict. So it's realising where you are consumed and what the coercion is and enable what, how you enable them. And once you've worked those three things out, you can then set your boundaries and this is all what's in my book, really, um, which is, as I said, a self-help book. And once you've learned those three strategies, you can then work your boundaries out. OK, I'd like you to repeat those strategies again for everyone really clearly, just because I think it's important for them to hear that. So the three strategies are? Coercion, mm -hmm. consumed mm -hmm. and enabling Mm -hmm. And just to be aware of those three things. Yeah. And once you are aware and once you realize that you are affected by all those three strategies, you can then work on your boundaries and start making your life count. Right. Excellent. OK. Now, one thing that I have to I have to ask is. At the beginning, when you started telling us your story, it hasn't been that long since you made that decision to change. And I think that gives me so much hope and reassurance that you don't have to spend a lifetime getting your, your life to the place that you want it to be, do you? No, not at all. Mm. Not at all. Um, when I woke up, I just realised that my life does count. And I've got three beautiful children and I just thought I need to focus on them. Even though they're adults, I just need to focus on them more and stop trying to fix people and just fix myself and make my life count and, mm. and be able to help other people. 
come through this as well. Mm, I love that, that your life counts. Um, such an important realization to come to. And, and in, in terms of, you know, I always talk about taking committed actions. Yeah, and it's 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 really because I know for me in the beginning I was a little bit start stop start stop and there wasn't really wholehearted commitment there it came in spurts um but that was okay that's what I could do at the time yeah and I guess my message to everybody is is that it gets a little bit change comes a little bit more quickly when you can get to that place where you take those you're able to take those committed actions every day yes definitely Mm. and let's face it Kim even when you've been with an addict as much as they may have done you wrong they may have hurt you they've let you down they've disappointed you time and time again when they say they're going to do this they're going to do that they're going to get help they're going to get support and then they keep letting you down even so, even it doesn't take that love away, and you still grieve. You're still gonna grieve that mm. that loss because whether it's a good loss or a bad loss, it's still a loss. Yeah. So it, it, it's gonna affect you, but you will gradually feel the benefits once you realize that you are worth more and your life matters. That's for sure. I'm gonna repeat that so everyone yeah. hears it. You are worth more and your life matters. Yes, for sure. Definitely. I just think it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to say it to yourself. Yes, it's true. And I'm a great believer in affirmations. And every full moon, I write my, um, I re- do lots of releasing. And every new moon, I write all my intentions, even if it's just an intention to read, finish reading a book for that week. Mm-hmm. Just small steps, pigeon steps will get you to the place where you realize actually my life matters. Mm, absolutely. So I think that's. You know, I know we're here talking about boundaries and the importance of them, but I think it all stems from that realization that my life matters. For sure. I, I have got a little saying here, if you don't mind me reading it. Mm, absolutely. Please do. Is this um, from your book? It is. Yeah. Um, sorry, I've got it marked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so... There's this one that's um, loving someone unconditionally does not mean unconditionally accepting destructive behavior. Mm. And I just think that just says it all for me, Mm. you know. Um, And it's even harder if you've got a child um, that's an addict of sorts. Um, I've even experienced that also. Um, but we're in a great place now so it it can all work and it's just about changing your thought pattern as well and believing in yourself Mm -hmm. wonderful so to summarize for everyone the three things coercion consumed consumed and enabling and enabling that you need to recognize those three things yes before you can set 
your boundaries. Definitely. You have to realize that's what you are doing and that's how you are being manipulated into them things before you can set your boundaries. Mm -hmm. And once you've realized those, you can move forward with your life. Excellent. I think that's a really wonderful place to to pause on that. Um, And before we close off the podcast, I always end every episode with gratitude. Definitely. So Sina, I would like to ask you, what are three things that you're grateful for today? So I'm grateful for my life experiences to bring me to this, to the place that I am now. I'm grateful for my three beautiful children and grandchildren that I have. And I'm grateful for you, Kim, for allowing me to come onto this podcast this evening. Oh, super. And I'm so grateful that that you've been here with us, sharing us this information. Um, I think anyone who's listening today, if it helps them to make that decision that they are worth it and to get to that place where they can set boundaries with those healthy boundaries in place, whatever they might be for that person with those boundaries in place, I'm sure that they'll get to a place where they're smiling again. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you, Sina. Thank you, Kim. This has been smiling again, hosted by me, Kim Moore. Let's walk this journey together. One thing at a time, taking small steps, little actions every day, which can help you let go and start smiling again. Don't forget, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. See you next week.